to love on your children because they are absolutely amazing. Um, we're going to dive into God's Word today. Um, this is going to be a sermonette, all right? So this may be the shortest message that you ever hear me preach. Uh, but I feel like that everything that we've done has been so radically important. What did my wife say? Yeah, okay. Mark chapter 10, um, we're going we're gonna to dive into a passage of Scripture that, that honestly I've been holding on to for a few weeks because um, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to share it with you today. Um, families are, are absolutely incredible to us, and our kids are, are so special. Um, I, I know that it's been a long time since we've had little kids, but I often remember back to those days. And, and I often feel like Jerry Seinfeld, who said having a two-year-old is like having a blender, but you just don't have a top for it. Um, so that's, that's kind of was funnier when he said it. Um, <laughs> We only have um, two kids, uh, but I'm always fascinated by people who have more kids than we do, and um, always wondered what it would be like to have more uh, than, than just two kids. I grew up in a family, I was the youngest of five, um, and so I often wondered um, what it would be like to have that many children. And uh, Jim Gaffigan said, if you want to know what it's like to have a, a lot of kids, imagine you're drowning and somebody throws you a baby. That's what it's like um, to have uh, multiple kids. I, I like what um, Ari Fishburne said, um, sending your kids to summer camp teaches them some really important life lessons like you can deal with your problems by sending them to summer camp. <laughs> That's my favorite, right? Children are an incredible gift from God, but let's be honest, sometimes it can be a little bit challenging. But I want you to know, um, I love your kids. And, and honestly, I love them more than I love you sometimes because they are amazing gifts. And we see that demonstrated over and over in scripture. In fact, Mark chapter 10 verse 13 says this, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch them and he could bless them. But look at what the disciples did. The disciples actually scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. Imagine that. Jesus is ministering to people. And while he's doing that, they bring those kids to Jesus. And the disciples, the bodyguards in this moment is kind of what they feel like, just begin scolding parents. Now, why would they do that? All right. Now, we recognize children are cherished gifts from the Lord. But in that time period, they were not considered the most valuable members of society. In fact, they contributed very little in terms of protection and provision, so they ranked very low in terms of power and privilege and, and influence. And so with that in mind, these socially, I hate to say it this way, but insignificant little people in the eyes of the disciples was basically um, commanding way too much attention from the Messiah. And you got to understand at this time period, the disciples really expected Jesus to be this king. And if, and if they could get him to the status of king, then they would get to be those that were closest to the king. And you don't get to be a king by um, associating yourselves with, with, with the lowest of society, right? You do that by, by staying with, with powerful people, the rich and the powerful. And so anyone that seemed like they were taking too much time from Jesus, they kind of pushed them aside in this moment. And so that's what's happening. They're pushing these families and these kids away because they thought Jesus' time was too important to be spent with these little kids. 
And now it was custom of the day for parents to bring their children in hopes of, of God's blessings for their children. And so what they wanted, they wanted Jesus to touch their children and they wanted Jesus to pronounce a blessing over them, but the disciples didn't want them to do that. Now, I, I grew up in a, a pastor's home. My dad's been my pastor my entire life and just an incredible pastor. In fact, I think he's one of the greatest pastors I've ever seen. And, and the greatest example that I feel like that he ever gave to me was the way that he interacted with children. He loves kids. And, and I remember that, that my dad, um, he was, he was kind of like some of you, when you, you grew up, the pastor would always stand at the back door and greet people when they leave, you know? And, and, and my dad would stand there, uh, and my mom would stand there every Sunday as people would leave. And, and anytime a child would come by, like my dad would not just greet the kid. My, my dad wouldn't just, you know, say hello to the child. My dad would literally get down on his knees and and he would he would hold he would hold those kids he would hold those kids and he would just speak life and blessing over those children and I watched as those kids would run up to my dad because no matter who he was talking to he always had time for them uh, my dad um, a few years ago had double knee replacement and I, I, I remember saying to my dad, I, I know why, why you got bad knees. You got bad knees because you spent my entire life on your knees praying and loving on kids. That's why you got bad knees, right? That's just the way my dad is. And so when I think about Jesus, I, I think about that example my dad always gave me. I could see Jesus on his knees just loving on kids. Uh, in fact, my wife, one of, one of her favorite portraits of Jesus, we see all these different renderings of Jesus, you know, whether it's Jesus on a cross or, or Jesus sitting at, at, uh, um, with the disciples at the Last Supper where everybody got on one side of the table for the picture, you know what I mean? And, and so we see all these different renderings and pictures and characterization of Jesus. Uh, my wife's favorite is, is a picture we saw of Jesus and, and he's got a child in his arms and his head is back and he's just laughing because that's what kids do. They bring us joy most of the time uh, when they're asleep. And so it's, it's like this beautiful picture of, of, of who Jesus is and, and that's what we see in scripture. And when these disciples began to push these kids away, that was the wrong move. And look at verse 14. When Jesus saw what was happening, what did he do? He got angry with his disciples. And this is what he said, and I want you to zero in on these next two verses of scripture. He said, let the children come to me. Don't you dare stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. And there was 15, he says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter into it. And so in those few verses of scripture, we see these words, the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. If you don't receive the kingdom of God like a child, you can't enter into it. So what in the world does that mean? Does it mean that kids are innocent and so we need to come to God as, as an innocent person? I don't, I don't think that's what it means. If you've had a child, you recognize kids are not always innocent, you know? The greatest advice that I was ever given as a parent was what we're going to do is, is we're going to put our kids in a box 
and we're going to drill a hole in the box so that they can get a little air, right? And then when they become teenagers, you plug the hole. I'm like, that's good advice, right? That's horrible, right? But, but that's coming from somebody who recognizes the kids are not always innocent. And sometimes they can be very difficult to deal with. Children have a twisted and fallen nature just like anybody else does. But Jesus praised them. And he said that we were to come just like them. So what does that even mean? Kids come with no hesitation, no inhibition. They trust completely. They come honestly. They haven't learned to be suspicious, most of them. They haven't learned to be cynical. They haven't learned to be proud. What do they do? They come absolutely empty-handed because they honestly don't have a ton to offer. In most cases, they're helpless, they're defenseless, they're messy, they're unsophisticated, they can be disobedient, unable to keep themselves clean, or even dress themselves. They are completely needy and dependent upon you and those that love them. They need somebody to love them, to care for them, and give them guidance. They need somebody who can constantly save them. And Jesus says, if you don't come like a little child, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. What is he saying? He's saying, I want you to come to me with your hands open and empty. I want you to come to me as fallen as you are, as sinful as you can be, as, as disobedient as, as you tend to be. I want you to come to me, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to be completely dependent upon me. I mean, think about the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, pray with me, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our what? Daily bread. What does that mean? Why did he not say our, our bread? Why did he not say our, our monthly bread? Why did he not say our, our, our annual allotment of bread? Like nothing, like daily bread. What does that mean? Completely dependent upon him. That every day I'm going to depend on my Heavenly Father for everything in my life. To meet the needs that I have. To care for my family. I'm going to depend on Him for everything. And then verse 16 says, Then He took the child or the children in His arms. And what did He do? He placed His hands on their head and He blessed them. You come as these children or you don't see the kingdom of God. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep reading. Because here's what we like to do. We like to isolate these verses of Scripture and these passages of Scripture and just let them stand alone. But it's really cool to watch how God puts different passages of Scripture together in His Word. And so the very next encounter is completely opposite of what we just read, okay? If you keep reading in in verse 17 through 22, we see Jesus having this encounter with not a child, but an adult that we only know as what? The rich young ruler. And when the rich young ruler who has all of these things in his life, he doesn't come as a child with empty hands. Instead, he comes to God with full hands and a very full life and basically starts the conversation by selling Jesus on the fact that he's obeyed all of the commandments since he was young. In other words, from a Jewish perspective, he was looking at Jesus saying, hey, I am a very righteous person. 
In fact, if I was to follow you, it may be more of a blessing to you that I'm here than to me that I'm here. He sounded a lot like some people who today might say, hey, you know, I never miss church. I tithe faithfully. I'm generous. I volunteer for everything. I'm faithful to my spouse. I don't cheat on my taxes. I follow the golden rule. I never intentionally hurt anybody. I am a good person. You should be glad that I'm here. Completely opposite than the way a child comes to Jesus who needs Jesus to bless that child who wants to depend on somebody for everything in their life. Here's the young ruler coming saying, hey Jesus, I've got it all together. You should be glad I stopped by. And then Jesus said, but there's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all of your possessions. Give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Why don't you go do that? Then come back and let's have a conversation about following me. All right, so pastor, are you saying that's what Jesus is going to require of me? That if I follow him, I've got to sell everything I have and, and, and give it to the poor? No, let me put it this way. I don't see that request of any other person in scripture. But here's what I think. I think Jesus recognized an idol of wealth in this man's heart and the fact that he was completely dependent upon himself and he was going after the heart of an issue. We started this series a few weeks ago, Hope Has a Name, on this principle that Jesus offers an authentic personal relationship with God the Father to anybody who is willing to trade in whatever is giving them a false sense of security. And this guy who comes to Jesus with all of this stuff in his life, which by the way is giving him a false sense of security, and Jesus says, hey, you can have this intimate personal relationship with me, but in order to do that, I need you to give all of this stuff away. In other words, get rid of everything that's standing in your way of following me. And instead of having open hands that were empty, he came with fists that were clenched and full, and he could not let go of what was standing in his way keeping him from following Jesus. So let me ask you, which do you resemble more today? Do you resemble the child who comes to Jesus and says, I am absolutely nothing without you. I am, I am dependent upon you. I don't really have anything to offer. The salvation that you offer is, is a free gift to me. And if it wasn't a free gift of grace, there's no way I could receive it because there's nothing in the world that I could do to earn it. God, I am completely and utterly helpless without you. I am dependent upon you for everything in my life. Is that how you come to him today? Or do you look like the rich young ruler who says, you know what, man, I've worked really hard for all this stuff and I've got a lot of stuff in my life and I've made it because I've worked hard and I've pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I'm a pretty self-made individual and I'd like to add a personal relationship with Jesus on top of all that stuff. See, I think what Jesus says to us, if there's anything that's standing in your way of following him, anything that's keeping you from going all in with Jesus, if there's anything that's giving you a false sense of hope and security, here's what you got to do. You got to let that stuff go. 
And that stuff, and for some of us, it's not wealth, it's, 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 it's not prestige, it's not power. For some of us, it's lifestyle. For some of us, it's our, it's our sin, and we're holding it, and we're clenching it. And instead of coming to Jesus with open hearts and empty hands, we're coming to Jesus holding on to something we just refuse to let go of. And he says, if you want to follow me, you have to surrender. You got to open your hands, and you got to open your heart, and you've got to be willing to say, Jesus, I want to go all in. See, I, I'm, I'm really convinced that we don't always go all in with Jesus. I don't know that we come to him and, 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 and are completely dependent upon him. But I think we give God some things in our life, but we really struggle to surrender everything to him. I heard somebody say a long time ago, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. It doesn't work to just give him a part of your life. It doesn't work to just follow him when it's convenient for you. Right. It doesn't work when, 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 when well, I'm going I'm to give this area of my life as, as long as it doesn't really interrupt my plans or anything else that I've got going on in my life. It doesn't work that way. But he wants you to go all in on this personal relationship with him. I mean, he's given us so much. He's blessed us with so much. And, and, and so these things that we do have in our life, what he wants us to do is be extremely generous with those things. To be a great steward of what he's placed in our hands. I mean, if he's given you wealth, then be the most generous person on the planet and freely be a blessing to other people. I believe some of you in this room are blessed so that you can be a blessing to other people. Some of you, he's given time, he's given you talents, he's given you treasure. Some of you, you'd say, oh, I'm not coming to God with empty hands. I, I do have things in my hands. But here's the difference. You recognize he's blessed you with all of that stuff. And so you're not coming in with fists that are clenched and you're holding it back. But instead, you realize that everything that he's put in your hands is a tool that you can use to bless people around you. And so you're just a conduit of God's grace and you're a conduit of his love and you're a conduit of his wealth. You're a conduit of, of all the things that he's given to you and you just freely give that stuff away. And even though God's blessed you with some stuff, you recognize you're still dependent upon him. See, that's what he wants. He wants us to just go all in with him. I want you to stand with me this morning and, and I want you to, to think about your posture and I want you to think about what's truly in your hands. I don't want to just be in agreement with Jesus. I, I don't want to just be in agreement with his word. I, I, I want to be like him. To be a Christ follower, to be a Christian, what does it mean? It means that, that I want to be like Christ. I want to apply his word to every area of my life. That's the only hope that I have in the world. His name is Jesus. I want to be like him in every possible way. But I don't want to hold anything back. I don't, I don't, I don't want to just give him some. I, I want to be able to give him all. I want to go all in in this personal relationship with Jesus. Here's my challenge to you today. And I want you to truly think about this challenge. I'm not talking about some emotional moment. I'm talking about a decision that you make to follow him. But can you imagine what would happen if you would just declare, I'm going to go all in with Jesus and I'm not going to hold anything back from him.
What if you did that for a year? See, some of you have kind of been standing on the sidelines and you're struggling to just go. You're struggling of what, what it's going to cost. You're struggling of, uh, with, with, with this decision. And, and, and you, you see some good, you see some negative. You're not really sure. You're just kind of standing on the sidelines. You're trying to make the decision. Do I go in all in with Jesus or am I just going to keep just trying to figure this thing out? I don't know why my mind goes to Field of Dreams. Anybody remember that movie? If you haven't seen the movie, go watch it today, right? It's such a good movie. And, and I'll never forget that moment, like when, when Kevin Costner, when, when, they to, when, they have to, when they step over onto the field. You know that, that moment? Like you've got to make a decision to take a step. And when you do that, everything changes. But you've got to make the decision in your life that either I'm going to go all in or I'm not. This half-hearted way of following Jesus is not working. He wants everything in your life. To truly come to Him with open hearts, with empty hands, and saying, God, everything that I have is yours. I don't want anything to keep me from following you. So I'm going all in. And we're going all in as a family. Because I want my kids to have an example of what it looks like to follow him. I, I, I want, I want my, my wife. I want my husband. I, I, I want the people in my life. I want my friends. I, I want my coworkers. There's people that I surround my life with. I want them to see something different in my life. But I recognize I've just kind of been given it this half-hearted effort. What if you made the commitment for one year to say, I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to commit to this church family. I'm going to commit to his word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give generously. I, I'm, I'm going to serve. I, I'm going to step over some, some, some fears and, and some things in my life. And I'm going to share my faith. And, and I, I'm going to truly go all in with Jesus. And some of you would probably be able to say, never really made that decision said yes to him I prayed a prayer but I'm not going all in and right now I want us to recognize the difference that following Jesus can make in our life I want us to recognize the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives that he so desperately wants to bless us with if we'll just say yes to him in every area and hold nothing back and I guarantee you, if you go all in, you will not regret it. I've met a lot of people in my life who have said, you know what? I regret that I didn't go all in with Jesus sooner. I regret that it took me so long. I regret that I held back so long. I regret that I didn't open my hands and my heart to him so much sooner. Not one time in my entire life, in all these years of doing ministry, I've never had one person who looked at me and said, man, I regret following Jesus. I regret putting my trust and faith in him. Man, do I regret giving these years to Jesus. I've never had one person tell me that. Today, let's give Jesus what he wants, and that is the gift of our lives that we can offer him. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I thank you. I thank you for families. 